This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This very interview took place live inside the Influencer Vault. If you want to learn more about becoming a member so that you can see the video of this interview and a lot more and be a part of weekly interviews that take place and have opportunities at your fingertips to speak, write, and be interviewed, go visit theinfluencervault.com today and sign up to get your free gift and then you'll uh, be directed to the website to learn more about the Influencer Vault. Hello, everybody. I'm so excited to be back with the latest edition of the show. I'm so excited as well to have a brand new guest here. Uh, Our listeners, regular listeners especially, know that I love introducing new guests to our audience. And this is no exception. So Ken Honda, I'm so excited to have you here today. And Ken, where we usually like to start is to get our guests just to tell us just a snapshot or a little bit about themselves. And I always say, don't worry about how much or how little, because we'll dive in deeper anyway. But can you just tell us for those that are discovering you for the first time today, just a little bit about who you are? Thank you, Corey. Uh, uh, To begin with, I I so appreciate you for inviting me. And uh, this is a great opportunity for me to have a chat with you. And also, I hope I can be of any support uh, for your viewers and listeners. So I'm a, um, my name is Ken Honda. I'm a writer, and I also I'm a speaker. And until two years ago, I, um, most of my uh, stuff was in Japanese and in Japan. So I, I have published uh, more than 200 books and sold about 8 million copies. And uh, since 19, uh, 2019, I published a book, uh, English book, uh, Happy Money. And it's been out in 40 different countries in uh, 15 or 16 different languages now. And almost uh, all my career, I have taught people how to have um, a better and healthier relationship with money. I have an accounting consulting background, and I retired. I retired when I was 29 for my baby girl with my wife, uh, which is almost uh, 22, three years ago. And uh, in the four years of semi-retirement, I got this inspiration to write. You know, I was a law major student and I was doing consulting. So writing was not really my forte, but I had uh, so much inspiration on writing on happiness and money. And I, I, I never thought I could write, but I did write uh, my first book. And uh, after uh, my first book, uh, the second book and the third book idea came right in. 
And since then, I have published almost bi-monthly over the past 20 years, and, and which is amazing. And I still keep writing. So it's almost like my uh, addiction. My father was alcoholic. I didn't take over that. So my healthier hobby is a writing addiction. I, my, my, my you know, fingers and hands tremble when I don't write. I mean, there's so much to unpack there and dig into there, Ken. And I can appreciate what you just said there as well, because my father uh, was an alcoholic as well. My grandfather was an alcoholic. My mother is a recovered alcoholic. My girlfriend's a recovered alcoholic. So, so you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> 100%. So by every indication, in theory, I probably should have been an alcoholic. And like you, I didn't get that addiction, but I certainly, uh, I've been a speaker for a number of years and a mm -hmm. writer. And I would say those are my addictions. To your point, whenever I'm not doing them, I get kind of antsy, like what's going on? You know, I need to dive into something. And we even started uh, publishing compilation books, like anthology books, mm -hmm. so that I would still be in the writing business even between whenever I was writing my own book. So I totally get it. I just want to say- I can So write. you are my, my soul brothers, you know, uh, from a different mother and on a different side of the planet. A hundred percent. Well, I want first thing I want to dive into is what you said there about how many books you've written and then decided to now tackle writing uh, in, in the English world, you know, mm -hmm. writing your first English book. How hard was that to make that transition? Because that doesn't seem like a, an easy couple of minute overnight thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, writing for me uh, in, in Japanese is very easy. I, it's almost like taking a walk. So I write and I breathe, you know, I, I sleep. So that's as natural as that in, in me. But uh, doing uh, other languages is could be tough. You know, for me, um, doing something uh, in English is a little scary. So I was uh, well established, and I don't, I don't have to do this. And people just, uh, my friends tease me, why do you go uh, overseas and you know get embarrassed about uh, your poor English or whatever that is? You know, I'm I'm so happy here. But uh, something inside me. Uh, kept inspiring me that, uh, you know, I have impacted millions of people here. And uh, what if my book uh, gets translated into different language? And if I started, started teaching, uh, the impact would be and, um, and I just couldn't stop this curiosity, what would it happen? And also, um, after writing my book, uh, first book in English, I started meeting uh, great people like yourself, Corey, that uh, with a podcast and all, all different uh, TV programs have been interviewed by so many great and uh, generous people. And I, until then, I, I never knew there are so many beautiful people out there. So just meeting somebody like you was worth it. It was very hard, but it was worth it uh, uh, for all, all the effort. So there's a couple of things I want to ask you as well in this regard. Mm -hmm. One, I wanted to ask what the reception to the book has been like, because again, it is the first kind of venture in this direction. But also mm -hmm. I noticed when I was on your website that uh, some of the, we have uh, similar contacts and mm -hmm. similar associates. And so I was wondering the people that have been commenting on your work, did, have they been exposed to your work since you put it the first English book or were they exposed to it before the ones that have talked about the work that you did? So for example, on your website, I noticed uh, some of uh, either my mutual friends or people I've interviewed over the years. So John Gray, Jack yes. Canfield, Lisa Nichols. We recently just interviewed Dr. Sue Mortar. I think I saw oh. Mar Marcy Shimoff uh, was. Yes. And so I'm just wondering, 
how did they get introduced to your work, I guess, in the first place? Yeah, so my friend um, and my mentor, Janet Atwood, who is uh, the creator of the Passion Test, Absolutely. Uh, she found me in Japan. And I was happy in Japan. One day, uh, my friend translated her book, Passion Test, into Japanese. So I was invited as a, uh, as a guest to her seminar. And a few seconds after we met, Janet said, Ken, what's your dream? And I said, my wildest dream would be to translate my, all my books in English to, and also start traveling overseas. And Janet said, you're in. And I said, what am I in? <laughs> and she said, there is a group transformational leadership council, which uh, all the uh, names that you mentioned are member of. And they said, and she said, they're great people. And many of them were in the movie Secret uh, 10 years ago. And okay, that sounds very in interesting. And then she, she invited uh, me to the group and I joined and which is four, uh, six, five or six years ago. And since then, I became very close to uh, those great um, minds. And uh, they've been helping me so much with my first book because I, I, I knew nobody uh, in English world. But now it's because of my relationship with Jack Canfield and John Gray and all the other great people. Uh, my book is out there and uh, we sold about a few hundred thousand uh, copies already. So I'm very happy that my dream is becoming true and uh, sharing what I know about happy money and how to transform your uh, financial life into a happy one is my bliss. I always find um, so much joy in helping people transform their relationship with money. Amazing. Well, you answered my other question in terms of how the how's the book been doing as well. And mm -hmm. I was going to add, it's just, I mean, I, I believe in synchronicity versus coincidences, but it's mm -hmm. funny, just today, just, uh, I'm in a different time zone than you, of course, but just six hours ago, uh, I was interviewing Dr. Joe Vitale, of course. Oh, really? Remember <laughs> the National yeah. Leadership Council. And uh -huh. then two weeks ago, we interviewed Bobby DePorter, who was uh -huh. also ELC. Anyway, so it's just it, it's just amazing, such a small world, but it's amazing how powerful that group is. You know, considering yes. it's not a group with like fifty thousand people in it, mm -hmm. but it's amazing how much work has been impacted in people's lives through that group. So just kind of it's I always love to know the how, and it's kind of neat to see how just and this is a key thing there too. You didn't know that you're going to meet Janet. You didn't kind of set that up and say I want to meet this person that's going to do this. It's so amazing how when we just go out and put ourselves out there and let the universe do the work, people mm -hmm. will show up in our lives for the right reason. So imagine if you didn't re meet her, your book might not even be in English right now, or it might not have sold that hundreds of thousands of copies. It's amazing. Yes. So, love you, said it, you said it so beautiful, Corey, that um, I was almost guided into this um, because, you know, I was, um, um, I, I'm learning new vocabulary in English. I was a happy camper <laughs> in, in, in Japan, you know, I was very happy. All my books are bestsellers. I have enough money, you know, uh, to live and uh, I had many friends so uh, I didn't have to go out of Japan because uh, for me uh, doing something in uh, North America could be a little scary uh, I heard all the scary stories that people sue you you know you know people shoot you if you don't like your books and <laughs> really you know and some of maybe a little bit true but exaggerated right so like all the horror stories I I, I like watching uh, you know, detect the movies and on Netflix and people die in parking lots. So I'm still, 
I have this phobia in, in American parking lots because you know some either zombie or bad people will attack me. Right, you know? So, right. so I had all the uh, horror in me, but still my curiosity and just uh, won over my my fear. Wow, amazing! And so the book itself. So let's dive into the book a little bit as well for those mm -hmm. that are hearing about you for the first time or hearing your story. Can you mm -hmm. tell people what the book is about? Like, I know we didn't even talk about what the book is about and uh, what people can expect or learn from it. So can you dive in a little bit to the book itself, Ken? Thank you. So my first book in English is called Happy Money. And happy money is money that makes you smile when you receive it and also give, gives you joy when you spend it. Whereas uh, I don't have to really explain about unhappy money because we're living in the flow. <laughs> when we receive check, uh, we save a check, uh, we feel frustrated and we feel tense and uh, start worrying like, are we, is this enough to pay all the bills at the end of the month? And when we pay bills, when pay at the restaurant or pay uh, buy something on Amazon, we feel like squeezed and we feel a resentment and anger over the envelope uh, that it, the bill is in it. And then we get up, uh, upset over the taxes we have to pay so uh, uh, any money that gives you trouble or resentment, anger, worries, uh, fear, anxiety, that's unhappy money. And unfortunately, most of us are living in the flow of this unhappy money in the world. And then now what's the, I guess the other side is, and I don't know if this is revealing a secret within the book, but when uh -huh. you talk about happy money, because to me, so when I hear that, uh, I agree completely. Most people uh -huh. are living in that flow of unhappy money. So when you talk about happy money, and I'm just reaching from nowhere, um, mm -hmm. is it like, is that passive income when you're talking about that, that it's working for us? Is it, uh, is it just a different perception we have when we're getting that money and, and, and sharing that money? Like, I'm just curious if it's something. Okay, yes, yes. So let me, uh, let me talk about my meeting with this mysterious woman uh, some years ago. I met this uh, woman, Japanese woman, a woman at the party in Japan. And she asked me if she could take a look at my wallet. And those days, you know, people were curious about uh, celebrities wallet and wouldn't be uh, curious that uh, what kind of wallet Justin Bieber has and you know, uh, your president and, 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 and there are many magazine articles on that. So I said, Okay, as long as uh, she doesn't run away with it. <clears throat> Japan is very safe. So uh, uh, she took my wallet and then she took out all the bills out and she was checking something and she said, this is great. Oh, this is wonderful. And she put them back go in and she handed over back to my me and she said, Ken, all your money is good. <laughs> and then I said, well, what do you mean by all my money is good? And she said, Ken, your money is smiling in your wallet. That means you have made a lot of people happy and received the money. And I said, Oh, that's good news. And and she said, on the other hand, if you are taking ad advantage of other people, or if you're doing what you don't like, your money is crying in your wallet, or sometimes angry in your wallet. I said, wow, that's an interesting concept. I've never uh, thought about it. And she introduced herself as psychic. She sees things that other people don't see. And then she walked away. And I was in the middle of the conversation with other people. So I didn't care at the time, but uh, when I uh, went back to a hotel, you know, kind of like I went uh, deep into thinking like yourself, Corey, that, hmm, you know, my money's uh, smiling, that's good news. And I was thinking of my friend like you, Corey, 
your money is smiling in your wallet. Definitely, I can feel that because you're enjoying what you do. And other people, maybe he's doing a hedge fund. He, his money is not smiling in, in his wallet. So since then, I realized that uh, whatever the money touches you and makes you feel good, that's happy money. And whatever the money touches you and makes you feel, ooh, that's unhappy money. So my definition is very simple. It does not really matter how much money you make or how much money you have. If your relationship is good with money, that's happy money. And uh, I know millionaires and billionaires, and I'm sure you do too. And some of them are very uh, miserable. And, uh, and, and I know that uh, uh, there's a man, a friend of mine who's almost uh, close to homeless, you know, like a, a, a step uh, uh, before the homeless situation. He doesn't have a job. He doesn't have much money, but uh, he gets by because he has many friends and he seems pretty happy. And I know his bank account is zero or maybe minus, but he didn't seem to, he doesn't seem to care because his friends and, and families always, uh, uh, they take good care of him. So who is happier? And I think the person with a happier money uh, is a happy person. So um, don't worry about, uh, you know, increasing your assets, flipping over uh, investments and forget about it. It's how you feel about money. And so the book itself, and again, I don't want to reveal too much more about the book, but the it's book okay itself... because I just want to share the, the content. So it doesn't really matter people buy the book or not, but the, the, if, if they get the idea of, from the book, I'm super happy. You know, I sold uh, more than 8 million copies, so I don't <laughs> care as much of my next book sells or not. It's being all setting already. So please feel free. I, I'm happy to share whatever you want to know. Okay, well, I, I wanted to dive into something you just said about the idea of um, a person being happy, maybe with mm -hmm. nothing versus a person being happy, being unhappy with mm -hmm. seemingly what we all seem to want. But I want to ask you within the book itself, so does it teach you, it sounds like, and I might be wrong, mm -hmm. it sounds like it teaches you how to be happy with your money mm -hmm. versus uh, how to make more of it. Is that, is that correct? Mm -hmm. You're so right. In North America, um, I've done some seminars and, uh, you know, uh, interesting, uh, like uh, when I visit like uh, some countries in Europe and China, you know, people ask me different questions. In North America, people tend to ask me, hey, Ken, how can I be rich? You know, how can I have, make more money? So they're interested in doing more, being more and uh, more and more and more. But in Japan, for example, People often ask me, Ken, how can I satisfy my, myself with what I have? So the approach is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you keep wanting more, unless you know exactly how much is enough, you get stuck in this hell of wanting more. Because I know a person who makes uh, $100,000 US dollars a year, and still he doesn't feel uh, good about himself because all his friends are making uh, twice as much. And if you reach uh, $1 million uh, income uh, goal, you don't feel so happy because uh, his other friends uh, have private jets, right? right? And even if you buy a private jet, my friend, complain, friend complains, his plane only seats six people. So he gets depressed whenever he, his car pulls over in this uh, special uh, you know, air terminal for private jets. He feels so small 
because all the other planes are so huge and his is a very, very tiny, right? So he feels like uh, the smallest at, the, at that you know, parking lot. So you have to really draw a line, how much is enough for you? And unless you don't feel I have more than enough, you feel miserable. Well, it's interesting you say that because, you know, when you're doing, when you're looking at your plane smaller than the rest, you're not then looking at the vast majority of the world that doesn't have a plane, right? You're not, That's you're not looking so at that terrible. parking lot because that parking lot, there's not many planes at all. You know, if you look uh -huh. at the, the vast span of the world and how many people don't have planes and you go into that parking lot, it's pretty empty. But, uh, <laughs> but having said that, I, I, it's a similar thing that I was going to share. We had a lady on the show recently and I, I mean, I didn't get into her personal wealth and it's, you know, not my business to, but I know she's done quite well. And she shared that she was, um, she was the heiress to a really large um, company that was mm -hmm. launched in the twenties and had a lot of success. And then she married uh, a person who had a company that right now I know the net worth is $8 billion. And mm -hmm. he passed not so long ago. She, she said, she said, I, I'm comfortable. You know, I was taken care of. And so she's financially comfortable but she actually decides to live in a one bedroom apartment mm -hmm. in between two other, she said, the person on the right side of me is a police officer. And the person on the next side, I think as she said, is a teacher or a librarian. Mm -hmm. And she said, I know what you're probably thinking. Like, why wouldn't I be living in the big wide estate and mansion? And she said, cause we certainly did whenever I was married to my husband. And mm -hmm. she said, but being on my own, she said, and she, I think she's 82. She said, being single and on my own, she said, that seems so boring and so much work to take care mm -hmm. of that size of state. She goes, this is so exciting. She said, I'm hanging out with a, a female police chief, you know, and talking mm -hmm. to her. And she said, this is exciting. I get to meet so many cool people, but mm -hmm. she's so happy with life. And, mm -hmm. and she said, you know, financially I could live wherever I want to live. And I choose mm -hmm. to live here, but she's so happy living in that one bedroom apartment. Now here's the irony to that. She said her and her husband, uh, one of their friends sold his business and he ended up buying like a $150 million boat. Mm -hmm. And she said they went on it and they were just like, because they never bought a boat. So they were just like, this is amazing. This is like Carnival Cruise type boat of his. And she said they went on the boat and one of the workers, she said, where can we find him? And they said, oh, he's out in the back, sitting at the back. And they went out back and there he was leaping through a magazine of big boats. And uh, she, said, <laughs> what are you? Uh, she said, oh, are you looking to see if your boat's in there? She, he goes, no, I'm getting kind of depressed because mine's not big enough. <laughs> 150 million dollar boat isn't big enough but it goes back to your point right he was automatically thinking maybe i should have bought the 200 million dollar boat <laughs> and then uh when you're sailing there's another bigger one just kind of sailing just path passing through right so if you compare uh, with uh, other people you that's a shortcut to hell so it's it's not just about money but compare with how you look you know thin or fat or like tall or what kind of hair or your skin color. You know, if you just uh, start comparing with other people, uh, you lose a peace of mind. So uh, the most important asset you can own is to be content with yourself. So I teach Zen philosophy and uh, uh, the key to happiness is finding uh, find this neutral place, not too much, not too little. If you have very little money, you also suffer too. But if you have too much, you also suffer too. So how much is enough for you? And if you know exactly how much, you are the happiest person on planet. And uh, you, at least you don't have to be uh, uh, worried about uh, money and you can follow your heart. So uh, by uh, doing what you love, 
without any limitations is a very happy place. So I hope all the viewers uh, who are just watching this, like, mm, you know, I, I want you to start thinking how much is enough for you. So now here's the, I mean, this is more of a financial question, I guess. But mm -hmm. when you say, you know, how much is enough? Are you factoring in, for example, um, like, so some people would say, okay, well, um, I want to have enough that I never have to work again. Some people would mm -hmm. say, like you said, too little might be, okay, if I don't get paid this week, I'm not going to eat. But I guess mm. my question is, is the happy medium, like, is it, do you think it's something like making sure you have two years of, you always hear this stuff about a year or two years of income put away. So that if you lost your job or you didn't get that contract or you didn't get that client, you wouldn't be starving tomorrow. Is there, mm -hmm. like, you feel there's, and I know it's different for everybody, but is that mm -hmm. what you're driving at? Like, is that person also factoring in, do I have enough to have peace of mind for the next year or two in case something happens? Mm -hmm. So I'm teaching both money IQ and money EQ. Uh, money IQ is teaching exactly how to do that. And money EQ teaches you how to find peace. So I have a different answer to different people. Okay. But I, I, uh, what I'm teaching is uh, uh, your financial security, uh, uh, you don't have it in your bank account. Well, because uh, if you have, uh, say, $10,000, is that enough? For some people, yes, but most for most people, that's not enough. How about $100,000? How about $500,000? And how about a million dollars? Still people, some people don't feel safe at all. So it's not, not just the number. You know, the, uh, the reason why I'm not worried about money at all is that, you know, I don't have any debt, but even if I lose everything and uh, I go bankrupt, uh, uh, I have so many friends. The other day I calculated how many numbers uh, of friends I have, and I have about 70 some people and I kind of like, you know, I stopped counting. And uh, I realized that if I visit my, with my friend for my friend number one, one week, and the second week, my friend number two, and after about 50, uh, 50 weeks, we have only 52 weeks in, the, in a year. So I can come back to my friend number one and say, how are you doing? By doing that, I'm a financially independent guy, so I don't need any money for the rest of my life because I have enough great friends who are who are going to offer me a place to stay and uh, whatever I need. So um, I, I so that that way I don't have to worry about it. So have a good friends, uh, especially financially comfortable friends. You know, I have already few of them, so uh, they're not going to let me fall if I just lose everything. So. Your financial security lies in friendship and families uh, rather than bank, because, you know, bank could betray you. Uh, you could get shut down. And also you worry about uh, that, that as well, right? <laughs> Once I mention it. So you know, people might uh, buy gold or block, uh, you know, a cryptocurrency, whatever that is, it's not uh, bringing you security. The real feeling is like people will support you. My friends love me enough. So uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be okay. So you have to change the mindset about wealth and money. Uh, unfortunately, in the West, people uh, tend to think that on your own, you know. And it's not. I don't want to blame um, you know people in the West because they were brainwashed that way. You know, we've been uh, separated from our friends, and we're supposed to take tests right uh, alone. You're in, we're not allowed. A group test, you know, <laughs> this year, you know, and we get grace uh, if we get uh, if we pass the test, we all passed, you know. So like we just uh, group up with five people 
and then take the exam. Our real world is that way, you know, in the companies, you know, we work with four or five as a team. But uh, somehow in, in, uh, in school, academic world, we have to play, you know, a lonely man. And it's not a healthy thing to do. So we think our bank account is also a one, one man or one woman job. So I always suggest if you worry about money, think of creating a joint account with your uh, wealthiest friends and in your mind, <laughs> you know, you just think of like three or four friends uh, in your, you know, uh, uh, iPhones, a friend just kind of look, look over and then, hmm, okay, I decided to create uh, a joint account with my friend <laughs> and just uh, see how it makes you feel like, hmm, okay, I don't have much money in the bank, but I don't probably have to worry about it for a little while, right? Wow. So I have to say, I've done, so I didn't tell you this at the beginning, mm -hmm. but I've done over 6,500 interviews. Mm -hmm. And I've never heard that perspective until this minute. You know, the idea yes. of, like, and, it, and it, it even shuddered a peace of mind through me because I started thinking <laughs> about all the interviews I've done and all the people who I've promoted them over and over and over again and been, become friends with and stuff like that and started going, wow, you know, what is my, uh, what would you call it? My neck? net worth or like my network net worth you know like in terms of uh going when i look at my whole network what is that worth comparison to what i might bring in this month because mm -hmm. of the fact like you said it even if i had to switch gears and go into a different business model mm -hmm. i don't lose those contacts i don't lose the background i don't lose the nice um testimonials that people have shared about me that i can use for the next business or but yeah i mean and i'm not thinking even like in the sense that it has to be how do i make money again but it, it is a kind of a nice comforting feeling thinking, you know what, I have all of this that I can tap into beyond can I turn money around again in a week. Mm. So I just I love that perspective. I haven't heard that in, like I say, going on probably 7000 interviews. So, wow, you just <laughs> thank you. And that's a uh, thank ahead, you. That's sir. a compliment I often get. And, you know, I, I have sold eight million copies. You know, people love my ideas because they always find something new in my books. So the ideas I'm bringing to the to the West uh, may be uh, uh, not familiar because I'm uh, using Zen approach, Zen approach. So uh, a lot of people say, Ken, I never thought of money that way. And, and I really enjoy it because when you take a look at money from that perspective, your net worth is probably a hundred times bigger than what you think, because you always think in terms of the numbers in the bank account. You know, I teach uh, people about invisible asset as well. Invisible asset is something that doesn't show up on a, a balance sheet. But think of your friendship, think of the bonding, think of the trust that you, ha you have built over the years. That's what I call invisible asset. And it can be turned into cash later on if you want to. There are some techniques to that. But you don't have to cash in because you can keep it as, as it is without destroying that relationship. So like, if, uh, for example, uh, think of my network and, and with uh, John Gray or Jack Canfield and others, I'm not exploiting them, right? They're so happy to give me endorsement and I really enjoy receiving it. So it's uh, almost like money. Uh, by endorsing me, they don't get anything, but they get uh, uh, the joy of helping Ken Honda, right? And because I'm so overjoyed with that, their support, so they feel good, I feel good, and I receive so much financial value from being endorsed by those great minds. And I also 
uh, um, want to give give back to them when I have an uh, opportunity. So this beautiful network is so priceless, and and but uh, people don't uh, take it into consideration. So think of all the invisible assets you have, and some uh, has cash value, others don't. Like your quality time with your kids, with your partner, you know, you don't sell it, sell, sell it out, right? But it's, a, it's so precious because when we die, we will th just think of the uh, invisible assets uh, and then the precious moments only for you. It's not for sale, but those precious moments are, are priceless. So in life, if you uh, keep creating that precious moment like that, I think it's an abundant person. So don't try to uh, trade your time and energy with uh, just numbers in the bank account because uh, it could bring a lot of joy, but uh, I think uh, uh, the value of cash is overrated. I love it. So Ken, my last, uh, I'm gonna call it official question. And then my mm -hmm. unofficial question is gonna be simply how we can learn more. But mm -hmm. my last uh, unofficial question, or I'll correct that, my last official question is the only one I've actually planned today because it's the one question I ask every guest we bring onto the show. So otherwise mm -hmm. than that, everything is kind of, I go with the flow. But this question I like to ask everybody because I've asked it so many times and I love the different responses, mm -hmm. but it's called the time machine question. And mm -hmm. so simply, if you could jump into a time machine, if they did exist, go back and talk to a younger Ken and give him some life advice based on what you've learned in the mm -hmm. years since. What do you think you might tell younger Ken? Thank you. I've uh, uh, done my homework, so I, I actually started thinking about it like uh, some some days ago when I uh, got to know about you. So if I go back like uh, 10, 20 years and I tell grab my young young Ken Honda, I'd say worry less and have fun more, because I tend to worry, and I think every one of us uh, worries uh, more than necessary. So worry maybe like fifty percent less and then uh, 50 more uh, fun in life. And if you keep doing that, one day you'll find an incredible future that you can't even imagine, but I, I'm not gonna spoil it. So <laughs> that, would, that is something I would say. And then I'll just keep smiling at him and he will know, he'll get the message from me. Wow, love it. And so Ken, I said the unofficial question is mm -hmm. essentially how can we learn more? So people have been listening to this conversation they love the sound of the book. They want to get the new book, or I shouldn't say new mm -hmm. book. They want to get the book. And uh -huh. uh, and do you have another book coming out in the near future? I know you said you write a lot of books. So, or will yes. you translate from that you've already written? Uh, so I guess mm -hmm. one question is, what's the future look like for Ken? And then the uh -huh. second thing is, where would you send people if they want to learn more about the book or more about your work? Thank you. I'm a pro, pro, prolific writer. So I keep the, a new book keep popping up from my head. So I will start uh, uh, doing that in English as well sometime uh, in 2020, uh, 2022. Uh, and uh, uh, all the information you can find at com. all the English uh, information is there. You can check your money personality type. You know, there's a spender, a hoarder, and money maker, a gambler, saver, warrior. You know, you just, uh, you can check all the uh, questions and then uh, it'll tell you uh, who you are. And uh, I will start, uh, I, I actually started uh, this uh, English community, Arigato Living, and uh, uh, people from uh, uh, more than uh, 10 different countries have joined so far. I have the largest, one of the largest online salon in Japan. I have about 12,000 membership and people gather uh, all over from Japan. I studied the uh, same one in English. So at the starting point, we have about 500 people. 
So I just want to create uh, more community in this world, uh, in the speaking world. So if people feel the call I teach every month, and I charge people only $8.88, it's a fun number. Yeah, I so, uh, it sounds like a fun number. Yeah, so anybody can join from any, any part of the world. So uh, please join us if you uh, are interested in this happy money idea. I, I love sharing more and uh, some, most of that I do online uh, right now, but hopefully I want to see you in person. And uh, I want to see you in person too, Corey. You're such a wonderful, uh, generous person. And no wonder you're so successful because your heart speaks to so many people. So it's uh, my privilege uh, to be invited to your show. And thank you for taking care of my uh, great friends. Again, this interview was from theinfluencervault.com. Come and join us as a member inside the Influencer Vault to see how we can help you up-level your game, become an expert sooner, and become an influencer today rather than tomorrow. Again, theinfluencervault.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.